0: Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com.
1: Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.
2: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Keeby Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast.
0: Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast.
5: It is an incredible honor to be with you today as your guide as we continue this incredible process that Team EIB has put together to take Rush Limbaugh's enduring wisdom and compare it against today's news cycle. On today, a day that the Lord has made in these times in which God has decided we will live. It's one year. It is one year to the day that the uh, so-called World Health Organization and the CDC called COVID a pandemic. And there are suspiciously similar approaches uh, to this and global warming. We'll talk about that. That's fixing it is more money for them and uh, less freedom for us. It seems very, very suspicious, suspiciously similar. And I I, I happen to think that God is pro-freedom because, well, we're free. He could have built us as robots, and he didn't. I want to kick this off with something that Kevin McCarthy said in a second. It's a real quick soundbite. I want to do a little sandwich here. McCarthy, I'm going to give you my view, and then we're going to top this off with four minutes and 15 seconds of the Maha. And you will see how he grasped the big picture at all times. Uh, this audio soundbite here is Kevin McCarthy. Listen to this.
6: So let's be clear. This isn't a rescue bill. It isn't a relief bill. It's a laundry list of left-wing priorities that predate the pandemic and do not meet the needs of the American families. No wonder even House Democrats have said they are embarrassed by what is in it.
5: So that's the House Minority Leader, and it's a decent statement. And there's more that I wish I had heard and would continue to hear, and I hope to hear one day... From some of the office holders on, on the so called conservative side of the Republican side. We're one year into this. Here's a couple things we've learned. The so called World Health Organization and the CDC are more than happy to completely depart from a hundred years of evidence based, scientifically rigorous learnings about viruses like this, such as don't lock down the healthy population. It's counterproductive. It's their own documents have said this. It's counterproductive. So don't do it. Masks don't work. We learned that in the Spanish flu. And all all the evidentiary data shows that. But they're happy to depart from that on a dime, all of a sudden. We've learned in this year that the mockingbird media, and by that I mean media members who repeat and amplify without an ounce of skepticism the words of technocrats, statists, and leftists, we've learned they can magically turn together on a dime from... A stance of this virus is from China to suddenly it's racist to say that, orange man. From this is less deadly than the flu for people who are below the age of 60 and and, and you know somewhat healthy to no, this is the walking dead. They, they it, and then turn from that rhetoric to peaceful riots are safe from the virus all at once. We watched that happen. It's quite a bit of learning for us to have. We've learned that an upper respiratory virus with a 99.87% survival rate, that's all in, that includes people who, to, for whom this virus can be really serious. We've learned that's an excuse now for a lot of technocrats to float the idea of a lockdown every two years. Of small businesses and churches and schools because of the weather, because of the it, what was it? It was uh, it was global cooling, acid rain, and now it's uh, it was global warming. Now it's a climate catastrophe. So lock us down every two years. They're writing about it. They're they're, they're speaking it. We've learned that to Democrats and their technocrat partners, and technocrats can be uh, Tony Fauci is a technocrat, in my judgment, part grifter, part technocrat. Jack Dorsey's a technocrat. Bill Gates is, has become wildly technocratic. It's really disconcerting to me because I, I was blessed to work at Microsoft. I, I, I don't know what happened to Bill. We've learned that the Democrats and their technocrat partners, they consider our little tiny human desires for freedom and to earn our own living and to have our kids mentally healthy and to attend our bitterly clinging churches, they they, they find those freedoms bothersome when, when it's done by us. I mean, their freedoms are sacrosanct. We've learned something else, and that is that in a public health emergency, even when it lacks emergency status, Democrat governors will seize that opportunity to employ tyranny. And to set up things like now states are having to bribe the teachers unions to come back. And this so-called COVID relief bill, this $1.9 trillion spending orgy has almost nothing to do with COVID and all to do with public unions, like teachers unions and corrupt so-called companies like Amtrak. And this is on the backs of the American people. Now, that's what we've learned. Now, of course, as he always did, Rush Limbaugh saw the big picture that surrounded the COVID flu and everything else. And as the Sullivan group has verified, Rush was almost always right 99.8% of the time. On this, Rush Limbaugh was exactly right.
0: I just can't look at this as an isolated thing. I have to put it in context of everything that I know has happened in the last four years. And finally, something has come along that is accomplishing everything every enemy of Donald Trump and us has wanted to accomplish for the last four years. And where did it come from? It came from China. And who has been warning us about the Chai Coms for longer than anybody else? And that would be Donald Trump. He was right about them He has been right about them, and it just... Look, I know that there's a lot of people genuinely scared out there. I know there are a lot of people really, really scared out there, and it would be futile on my part to try to talk people out of that. I wouldn't even try. But all I can tell you is I'm not, and maybe tell you why. As I say, I have different perspective on this than many do. You can't blame people reacting the way they're reacting if they pay any, even scant attention to the media. If you read just two or three media headlines a day, pick one, pick two, pick three at random, you're going to think that if you leave your home, you've got a good chance of dying. And you don't. But, you know, I can't, there's no way we here can stop a panic. There's no way we can talk sense into a panic. I wouldn't even try but i'm t- just to me <laughs> this is just a gigantic series of, of question marks and red flags all this stuff that is it just it's it, the timing of it the objective the the gleeful the gleeful attitudes in the media about this the gleeful attitudes that democrat leaders have about this I'll tell you what's really more scary than anything is how the American people, some Americans, I don't know how many it is, seem to be okay with being told they can't do this and they can't go there and you've got to stay here and we're going to quarantine you there and we're going to wrap you up over there. We're going to put you in this cocoon here and you can't leave. And you Okay, okay, fine. with No, not okay. I think Andrew Cuomo knows what's best for you. Put this little quarantine around New Rochelle. I mean, this is just too much of this to me appears to be made to order for objectives that have long been held by the American left, the Democrat Party, the media, what have you. In Chicago. The mayor of Chicago has just announced that they're not going to die the Chicago River Green. It's St. Patrick's Day next week. So they're going to eliminate. They do it every year. They die the Chicago River Green for St. Patrick's Day. i are got to do that. The downtown parade and the south side Irish parade have all been postponed as part of this weekend, St. Patrick's Day. Over 100,000 people were expected to fly to Chicago. They're not going to go to Chicago. South by Southwest gets canceled. The mayor in Austin cancels it. And shortly after, then starts begging people who live in Austin, hey, go ahead and go outside. Go ahead and go patronize some of our business. Go ahead and go out to eat. Okay, if it's okay to do that, why did you cancel South by Southwest? Well, because the inertia was set in motion we're going to be canceling everything we're canceling everything we're going to do any public meeting. we're going to play basketball games with no crowds the baseball season's coming up we're going to play baseball games with no fans in the stands how long is it going to be before the nfl decides you know what we're going to do studio only no no fans allowed at any of our state where does this end Here it is. The World Health Organization has declared the coronavirus outbreak a global pandemic. Fox Business Channel with the news.
5: That's the Maha. Now, just a reminder. In March of last year, Tony Fauci knew that they were using a deeply flawed test to create these cases, 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 which created, according to The New York Times... 95 to 98% false positives. They continued to do that. Cases, cases, cases are why economies were shut down. Hours after Joe Biden was installed into the White House behind this militarized fencing, the World Health Organization said those tests are just not trustworthy. And we shouldn't trust them the way they're being done. Hours after Biden was installed. (laughs) So much more to get to, including more of Russia's wisdom on the economy, on race, discussions on race. Team EIB has put together a phenomenal program. So we can't wait to share it with you. It's Todd Herman, your guide host today on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman, your guide host today. More of Russia's wisdom on the EIB network. I've neglected to say it's 800-282-2882 if you'd like to join us and share your stories about how you came to listen to Rush and how you how you would apply Rush's principles to today's news. One year after this was named a pandemic, there's a whole bunch of societal lessons to learn. And I want to predicate one based upon a, a, an experiment you may have seen. It's It's an astonishing experiment where... They, they planted a guy in a room, and everyone else was an actor. And they displayed lines, and all the actors were, they were pretending, they were reading lines. And the, the actual citizen there was asked, okay, we're going to show you some cards. Which line is highest? And this man said, well, it's C. And everyone looked at him and said, what? What are you talking about? D is the highest line, and D was the shortest line. And he argued the first time. The second time, he kind of lightly disagreed. By the third time, he, he he just waited to see what everybody else said. There's another experiment that's, that's more atrocious, and this involved inflicting pain on someone. The The person behind the glass was an actor. And you were told by this authority figure to turn up this dial that was to shock the person. And, and, and the participants, the actual citizen in this, got to feel a little bit of voltage so that they knew there was a shock, but the actor actually in the glass didn't have any voltage. But people were told to turn this up and people inside the glass were screaming at the top of their lungs, please stop, I want out! Most of the people kept going. They would turn to the official, you know, the, the fake authority and say, I think he's hurt. Please keep going. When we saw Tony the fouch Fauci, turn and say all of a sudden masks are the right thing to do he never said they worked well i'm wearing one because it's the right thing to do it sends the right message when we saw him at the baseball game unmasked this should have been over enough of the american people should have said uh just quickly why is the fouch giggling it up in the stands without his woke mask the point of the experiments is we, us, we learned for 30 years from Rush, a Medal of Freedom winner, because he spoke the truth. He asked uncomfortable questions. We need to be those people. In my judgment, that's how we honor him and conveniently enough, that's how we get a chance to save our country. The act of skepticism and the process of skepticism is not being taught in the schools. If it was, we would do things like this. Yeah, just real quick question. So if masks work, why are we doing the lockdowns? Just, I don't. And if lockdowns work, why are we, what's, why are we locked down? And if the vaccines are the answer or the mRNA injections, why is Fauci still saying there's rules about getting together? And why are people pivoting and turning this into now a global warming thing? And then there's this. Why is it that every single error, counting error, resulted in making this appear worse? And just a quick question, since I am personally 99.998% likely to recover from this with my own immune system, uh, why would I take the mRNA injections, which are experimental? Just, I mean, just a series of questions. And I fully support your decision to take the vaccinations fully, because you are an adult human being. We need to be the people who will ask the uncomfortable questions. Hey, is Joe Biden aware of where he is? Is he able to take questions? Is so is he running the country because I have concerns? Those are uncomfortable things to do. They really are. To be the person in the room, say in a business meeting, the one person raising your hand saying, Boss, I used to do it this way at Microsoft. Oh, and that hack will be trust us, tomorrow. This hack is big. But when I was at Microsoft, I used to do it this way with bosses. Just, you know, give a note that I want to speak and say, are you open to feedback on this? Or are we here to implement? And they actually appreciated that question. I want feedback. This is a stupid idea. You'll never make money on this. We're going to get. And I have people come up to me after the meeting and say, thanks for doing that. And I would say to them, why do I always have to do it? We always have to do it. Skepticism. Rush, Rush was skeptical. I mean, he was careful about what he endorsed. He was a technologist in his own right. And from the early days at Comperserve to the latest version of Apple's iOS, he stayed on top of all things technology. He learned long ago that even the best computers crash, leaving you helpless and lost online. And if Rush had one data backup, he had half a dozen at a time. To this day, he'd tell you, have your data backed up.
0: You know, there are a few written words and records more important than what is on your computer these days. You'd have to look long and wide, long and far to find things more important than what's on your computer or your your handheld phone, your iPad, what have you. How many of you save everything? Since it's easy, it's all stored there until it's not there anymore. And when it's not there anymore, panic city. And that's going to happen. Everybody's going to have something go wrong with one of their devices. Your hard drive is gonna quit. It's gonna get something spilled on it, stolen, dog, get the cable, drag the the computer off the table, hits the floor, crash, bang, boom, bye-bye hard drive. You have to know it's gonna happen to you because it happens to everybody. You gotta be backed up. You cannot have too many backups. You need bootable backups, something that you can go get a new computer, restore your backup to, and start up like you haven't missed a day iDrive has easy-to-use backup software safely and securely in an off-site online location. It's cloud-based, meaning it's not in the same physical location you're in. So something destroys property will not destroy your backup because it isn't where you are. It backs up every change that happens on your computer as it happens. And only the changes. It happens incrementally. You can back up your data three times a day or more with iDrive, whatever it takes. It's up to you how often you choose to back up. You'll have peace of mind that everything that's important is backed up. Start backing up today with iDrive like iPhone. iDrive.com. Use my name. 90% off the first year, folks. They want you. 90% off. iDrive.com. Plan start less than 6 bucks a month. iDrive.com and my name get you started
5: rush was so careful about the companies he's endorsed and i just had this i, I really just had this hilarious vision i just um you know rush has passed on and i, I would <laughs> it would drive the democrats who've tried forever to do talk radio nuts to know that rush is still <laughs> the leading endorser of these companies like iDrive that supported this show for so long man that would be a kick There is so much to continue. Do you remember Porculus? Do you remember Rush talking through Obama's Porculus? We're going to talk about that in relation to the WAPO says that Joe Biden has showered Americans with money. He showered us with a lot of stuff, and and the polite word would be debt. It's Todd Herman, your guide host on the EIB Network. So uh, Joe Biden is going to give his uh, long rehearsed, I'm sure, rehearsed over three months, (laughs) Reading into a camera address tonight, I can't wait for you to hear Russia's observations uh, about the the naked emperor. That will be next hour Russia's wisdom on that much to get to uh one of the things about the maha is we have we have from him he he had their playbook it drove him nuts. He had the Democrats' playbook and it exists today. even as far as they dive into communism and tyranny, we can still turn back to rush. And he often talked about that Democratic playbook and how it never really changed. And he knew if Joe Biden got elected, we'd relive the same tactics again. And the COVID-19 bill, the spending bill Democrats have rammed through is going to be the same thing Obama and Biden did in 2009. Here's the Maha explaining it last September.
0: I just saw during the break plugs actually got close to getting something right. He was talking about the recession that they inherited, he and Obama in 2009, after they were inaugurated. And he said, we came up with about $800 billion, which is the porculous amount, of stimulus. We came up with $800 billion. You know what we did with it? We sent it to the states. And the states were able to keep their key people employed. Now, this is the first time they've admitted this. Plugs... I don't know if there's going to be blowback on this, but that's not what they said the stimulus was for. Back then, in 2009, when Obama is selling this thing, the stimulus is for infrastructure, roads and bridges. We're going to repair schools. We're going to do all of these wonderful things, and it's going to create jobs, and this is going to create an economic recovery. And Biden was put in charge of it, and they called it Recovery Summer. Well, there wasn't a recovery because that's not what they did with the money. Plugs just honestly admitted what they did with it. They sent it to the states where union employees were kept employed and on the job. That's what that stimulus money was for. 85% of it, folks, we track this, 85% of it was sent to public employee unions so that teachers, SEIU types, so that they would not be laid off, so that they would continue to pay union dues. Because a percentage of all union dues end up being sent back to the Democrat Party as campaign donations. So what that stimulus really was, and don't get mad at me, but what it really was, was a quasi-money laundering operation. Obama couldn't go over to the Treasury and write a check for $800 billion to the DNC. But he could pass a stimulus bill and tell everybody it was for roads and bridges and schools and all these other wonderful things we are going to build and we're going to repair. Biden just very proudly, for the first time, admitted what they did with the money. They sent it to the states for their public employees. We had to keep the states open. We had to keep the states running. Now, I don't know if he's going to get any blowback on this because it's so many years ago. And they can cover for it. And the scandalous nature of it is so long ago that I don't think it's going to matter. But he did admit what they actually used that stimulus money for. That stimulus money was essentially a circuitous route to send a bunch of money in the form of campaign contributions from union members to the Democrat National Committee. And Rush spoke about the playbook coming up on this program. Do you know a white
5: farmer? I'm not, no, I'm, I'm seriously asking you, stop the talk radio thing, just Todd to you. Do you know any white farmers? Because black farmers are getting a bunch of money. White farmers are not. This is part of the Biden plan. It's racism. It's backdoor reparations. Rush spoke about this as well. We'll get to that in this program. Let's talk to Tristan in Richardson, Texas. Tristan, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman, your guide host today. Welcome, Tristan.
7: Hi, Todd. Mega honor, mega ditto. Thank you.
5: My pleasure. My pleasure.
7: Well, I am a Rush baby, literally grew up <laughs> listening to Rush since 1988. I thought Rush hour traffic meant everyone out in their cars <laughs> to listen to the car radio to listen to Rush. That's why <laughs> And my little toddler self called the radio in any house the, the Limbaugh. <laughs> I mispronounced it as said the lap bob, my parents tell me, but the radio was the limba. Why else would you have a radio in your (laughs) house?
5: I love this so much. Oh, my gosh, that's gorgeous. I love how old are you, Tristan? I'm 32 now. Oh, man, I love this story. Okay, continue. It's the Tristan show. I'm just going to shut up.
7: (laughs) No, thank you, sir. I love it when you guest host. Yesterday, Texas officially removed all the covid mandates not much changed you know for some businesses but the official statewide mask and lockdown mandates are all gone and to grace us that day the cdc prepared a little sermonette it aired right before you started speaking yesterday at 11 central time uh telling us to you know you've heard about the vaccine but Keep your distance, avoid crowds. <laughs> going inside is especially dangerous, and keep that mask on. Let l- l- to l- l- me ask you a question.
5: Off, it- well, let's say finish, because I, I have a question. No, no, finish, because I have a, a significant question for you. Go ahead.
7: Oh, well, I was just going to say, to top it all off,
5: it sounded to me a very fake Texan accent. You know, That's what, what I wanted to hear. That's Tristan. Like? That's what I wanted to hear. This runs in Washington State. I call it the F-116 guy. Because, you know, of course, there's the Ford F-150, um, but, it, yes, it's, it does go like this. You know, you heard about the vaccines. Well, there's a whole bunch yeah. you can do to keep yourself safe, such as shun family members who don't agree with liberal policies. In fact, when I get on the back of my F-16, cut, 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 Bob, it's an F-150. It's like a New York actor who's, who's and now let me ask you this, as a Texan, do you feel pandered to by that ad? oh i just
7: i've just got to laugh or i will explode <laughs>
5: <laughs> no that's they're they're so desperate to get everybody to agree to the technocratic approach to this that you know and i've heard rush talk about this that that the elites view uh, states like Texas and and and, and Montana and all the Montana's, man, it's kind of turning blue. Oklahoma, they actually view folks there like zoo animals that they walk by and look yeah. at. Well, wow, so wait, people live that way and they fly the over. The Bait. right? And they, right. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a coin a phrase. I think Joe Biden's it's dementia Cole said Biden. that. <laughs> you're right. So now on this go forward, you're 32 uh, how are you going to help us uh, honor Rush's legacy in your real life?
7: Oh, man. Well, I, I, I teach college classes. I'm a lecturer. Um, I think of Rush every time I've taught an online class, like I'm going on the air. I, I try to follow the rules and not um, <laughs> get fired. But I think of Rush's <laughs> optimism <laughs> here. I, I think of them, you know, never always think highly of your audience, never insult your audience. My students in a way are my audience and I I I, I try to strive for that excellence, optimism, and good cheer.
5: I love it. I love it. It's not easy. Yeah, no no, but look, you are a man of good cheer and it's just its just such a tremendous uh way to picture growing up a full Rush baby. It's a great phone call. Tristan, I thank you for calling Rush's show. Appreciate it very much and go with God's good grace.
7: God bless you, sir. Thank you.
5: just Everybody take a break for a second. The radio was the the Limbaugh. That is beautiful. Uh, When we come back, Rush just took apart, just dismantled the biggest line politics and it's one word. It's one word. And Rush just completely dismantled it. That's coming up. It's Todd Herman, your guide today on the EIB network. Oh, it's Todd Herman, your guide host today, uh, for Rush Limbaugh. Man, I'm still recovering from the call from Tristan. That's that's the way to call a um, a radio show. You know, you know Joe Pollock. Uh he is I'm saying Pollock. Uh of emphasize that the right way. Uh, he's a writer at Breitbart. Uh, I believe he does a radio show as well. He has called out Circleback Saki, uh, Jen Saki. I call her that because she's constantly saying, I need to circle back to you on this. And man, the, the, the job of a professional liar, <laughs> I'm not trying to be cruel, but it's one thing to be a professional liar. But when you're a professional liar for a man who's so clearly in cognitive decline, I mean, you got to wonder, are you to lie or to pander during these days? So, um, Jen Psaki was responding to sort of a uh, progressive question from a, a no-doubt liberal reporter uh, about when are you going to do this great big weather bill, sorry, um, w- global cooling, sorry, what is it, climate catastrophe. When are you going to do the great big $2 trillion climate change package? And Jen Psaki just goes on this rant of, it's only 49 days. We're about to pass an historic, the most progressive bill in American history. It's, it's passing today. And she was almost apoplectic. Wait, wait, wait. Where's our cred? We're, we're wasting money as fast as we can. We're doing backdoor reparations as fast as we can. We've got a reparations money pl- printing plant back here. And the dollars come out and it says on the top reparations, but you can only see it in ultraviolet light if you're black. And it's, you know, it's that sort of thing. And what Joe Pollack says here, this is a a quote from his piece. He says, I think Saki and company are thinking of using this COVID relief bill to create a permanent universal subsidy to the poor, including illegal aliens. Uh, I think Joe Pollack is absolutely right. I mean, they're all but signaling this. I don't know if it's this way in your state's. But in a lot of the, the, the blue states, which are becoming separate countries, like, like Oregon, and, and well specifically Washington, I know very well, you know, the so-called governor there, Inslee, has seized people's homes, effectively. Right? People who are going to retire based upon the cash flow from rental properties. Inslee's come along and said, your tenants never need to pay you rent, and there's nothing you can do about it. And there are people, I know a couple who live in the garage of one of their rental homes because the other people are not paying rent and they need a place to live. And, and the tenants have kindly said, yes, you can live in the garage and you can use the bathroom a couple times a day. It, how does that go back? All of a sudden, the blue state governors come along and say, okay, now you need to pay rent? So they're saying this is progressive, right? Just think about that word. Think about it. And then let's have the maha just break it apart. Because Rush perfected the art of making the complicated easy to understand. He also perfected the art of disambiguating that would be making things clear for the people in Rio Linda. See, I grew up with Rush as well. He did this in disambiguated political gobbledygook, as the Maha did, and he'll do it right here when he dismantles the word progressive. I
0: just got an email from a friend who thinks there's a better way of delineating between the factions in the Democrat Party. Now, I, off the top of my head in the middle of improvising, and as I always do ad-libbing each monologue I do, I referred to them as the socialist, Marxist, communist wing versus the... Standard ordinary liberal Democrat. My friends, that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is call it the radical wing versus the progressive wing. I think that would be better. The radical wing of the Democrat party versus the progressive wing. I maintain to you that this term progressive is one of the biggest lies in all of politics. And the reason I don't call them progressives is because they're not. They are regressives. They want to take us back... To poorer economic times, larger and bigger government, they want to roll back free. There's nothing progressive about these people, and I'm not going to call them that. They're socialist Marxists. I don't believe there's any difference. When you get right down to it, between the radical Democrat party, the radical leftists, and the so-called progressives, the difference is that the Pelosi and Schumer types wish they'd shut up about it. And mask who they are rather than be open about it. But I don't I don't think there's much. I think the radicals have taken over this party. And people like Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton and the rest have been forced to go along with it. Brilliant. The word progressive means the opposite. Regressive.
5: Going backwards in history. Rush had selected at one time uh, Walter Williams. A great, great gentleman who's a past. Oh, it just occurred to me. Walter Williams and Rush are together in heaven. Oh, that's cool. Walter Williams had said um, that freedom is not the natural state of things. and it, It's not. You, you look through history, it's been much more common that, that us little folk have been effectively uh, sharecroppers, literally and figuratively sharecroppers. And this is what the, the left is trying to return us to in, in, in a state of servitude. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy, World Economic Forum says. You'll have um, universal basic income, and you'll not need any more. And you know what? The sad part is there are people who say, yeah, you know, I'm good now. I've got, I've got a UBI. Now, it's not like the UBI will go up every year. Well, except it will. So it is a regressive thing because fewer and fewer, fewer, fewer people are going to make decisions for all of us. And some of their decisions are whack. Well, it's easy to find the ones that that are, are you pointed the decision that's whack. Andrew Cuomo, hey, let's put sick people with COVID into the one place where people are most likely to die from COVID. Now, you can take that from a secular perspective. You can take it from a religious perspective. God could have said in the, the, the Garden of Eden, he could have hired an EPA. Or like, <laughs> he could have hired a bureaucrat, Eve. Read the, the label on the apple. Read the label. It says do not remove from the tree. It's like a mattress label. Do not remove the the thing. The It's a federal penalty to remove that little tag on your mattress. We'll put you in, well, or you know what, we'll just take away the Garden of Eden. He could have done that, but, but he's pro-freedom. There's nothing, nothing more aggressive than a small group of people leveraging the might of those in power... To do their bidding. And and this is what we're seeing. And Rush just explained. The regressive nature of this. And next hour. We got to dig into. This decision. To just do. Backdoor reparations. They can't sell it to the American people. And it makes sense. I mean again. For us to be the truth tellers. This is my rap on, on reparations. So you're telling me. No, I've never owned slaves and my family never owned slaves ever that I need to give money to you who was never were never a slave and whose family was never enslaved right yeah that's I think you got it it's pretty aggressive regressive it's Todd Herman your guide host today on the EIB network uh, it's difficult to describe how cool the next hour is. Let me give it a shot. You know, you've heard that uh, Bill, Bill Gates is giving money. Uh, he and Melinda are giving money to a group that says that math is racist. And this is Bill who, who screwed up our education system completely. And then at least he admitted, ah, oh, that didn't work. So you have that. You have the soft science approach to how they undertook counting COVID deaths. And what if I were to tell you that, that almost, I think it's 16 years ago that rush in his voracious reading found a dynamic that the Democrats were using that, that (laughs) from Soviet Russia that, that you remember outcome based education. Remember that? Um, what if I told you that Rush was so prescient in his in, in his reading and his analysis and his perspective that he had predicted this math is racist stuff, basically, by the softening of science? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about – and I do invite you. I'm not kidding. If you have friends who are white farmers and they've struggled through this government-imposed selective lockdown, please, please have them listen to The Next Hour so that they can learn why they're out of luck, but black farmers are in the money. There's so much to continue. Todd Herman, your guide host today on the EIB Network.
8: Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear Look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport, and I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Reality. Podcast.
5: It's just a tremendous honor to do this with you and chat with you at 800-282-2882 as we continue to take the ever-enduring wisdom of Rush Limbaugh and apply it to today's confusing news cycle. It is the day the Lord has made. These are the times God has decided we'll live. Our responsibility, we defined last hour, one of them, to honor the memory of our too-soon-departed friend, is we will be the truth-tellers. We will be the ones who ask the uncomfortable and skeptical questions. So tonight, uh, Joe Biden will, will, I don't want to say give as much as read or perform, uh, a speech that I'm going to just take a wild swag of a guess at, that that he's rehearsed, I don't know, three times a day for three months. I don't do mental math on the air. I proved that yesterday. But it's, it's not a press conference. He's not going to answer questions. We played for you the audio of him doing this PR stunt in a hardware store. And just, it, I think it was a just Joe Citizen saying, I'd like to, and press, press, press. This, his, his, Biden's staff started screaming, no, we're leaving, we're leaving, because they don't want any chance that Biden, you know, shows that he's in this state of cognitive decline. And we're going to get to Rush's thoughts on this, which are, of course, profound. Because Rush asked the skeptical questions. Intelligence guided by experience. This is our role. I don't make fun of dementia. I truly don't, because it's not a funny thing. I've had loved ones that have suffered from it. And perhaps all suffer from it. It's not funny. What's funny is we're supposed to pretend it's not happening. That's what's funny. (laughs) And... I mention this book from time to time because I think it, I think it is an important bit of learning. There's a book called What D.C. Gets Wrong. They they just think we're all hopeless. What they did is they turned polling around, and they, they polled people in Washington, D.C., the elites, and they asked the elites about us. And the elites think we're broke and hopeless and uneducated, and they have wild misunderstanding about how many of us are LGB, Right. They just wild misunderstandings. Never more so than when you see them try to pander to us. Last hour, we had a call from Tristan in uh, Richardson, Texas, who was talking about now that Texas has opened up, the CDC's running this pandering ad. Well, I go out and shoot my AR nine and a half on my Ford F1 16 and three quarters. That guy has no idea what he's talking about because he's a voice actor. And they pander and they're pandering to us about Biden's health the Mockingbird media class. They are. And I remember when the media said that Ronald Reagan was a doddering old fool as Ronald Reagan danced tiptoe circles around the bureaucrats at the State Department. Had he not, the Berlin Wall would stand. And he did. Trump, President Trump, outwitted these foggy bottom State Department careerists, deep staters, or ISIS would still be running around and running entire countries. So in a way, in a sad and scary way, Joe Biden is sort of a dream placeholder for deep state apparatchiks and just young, young staffers because they get to hide behind him. And it seems to me, my guess is they get to run him. And we've heard Biden say, "Uh, Alt, I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance. If that's what I'm supposed to do, that's the man who's running things. That's what I'm supposed to do. And then they cut the stream. Just cut it. Because they don't want to see that happen. Dementia is not funny, but it's funny that they think they can hide it from us. Just like they think they successfully hide their true intent from us. The serious part of this is, I would very much like a reporter to say, if he can't answer questions from us, how does he answer questions from world leaders? Oh, incidentally, why is he not sharing, he was going to be this transparent you know, person in the White House, why is he not sharing his virtual schedule? Because, you know, he's going to share the visitor book to the White House, but they won't share the virtual schedule? Why? Maybe because it's a lot of rehearsing the speech tonight. Now, of course, Rush Limbaugh was willing to point directly at the naked emperor and
0: demands that everyone else stop pretending. Now, yesterday, Biden came out of his hole, gave a weird speech. And he had an even weirder town hall in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It was a town hall without a town. He looked like it was sitting in the garden of a nursing home talking to the grandkids. And he had that stupid black mask on and it was around his neck. And he claimed that over 120 million were dead from COVID-19. 120 million dead. That's a third of the population. 120 million dead. Did anybody say, no, that's just Joe. He's got a heart of gold. Don't worry about old Joe. We know Joe. This is noteworthy because it's the first time in 83 days that anybody has really seen Biden live. He gave a teleprompter speech later in the day on health care in a room all by himself, took no questions from the press. While he was flubbing this big health care event, it was reported, did you hear this? That he had a large cancer nonprofit raising money for cancer cures and cancer research. It was nothing more than a money laundering operation right out of the Clinton mold. 65% of the money raised went to Biden family members. This is how the left does it. This is how minorities and others in the left get rich in Washington. They set up foundations or nonprofits. They really seek donations, and everybody donates money because it's just what you do. And they hire their families to run these shill operations, which don't do much anything. And that's how they end up becoming independently wealthy. That's how they end up with a congressional salary of whatever it is, ending up owning massive amounts of property and having uh, six- and seven-figure net worths. The Plugs Cancer Charity raised $4.8 million in two years, not one dollar, went to anybody with cancer, or very little of it did. So he's really concerned about changing health care in America. But nobody's reported this. Nobody has reported this. There are very few Democrat voters in this country who know anything about what I just told you about the Biden cancer fraud operation or the fact that he thinks 120 million people have died from COVID-19. Because the drive-by media hasn't bothered to report it, and they will not report it. They're not going to report anything that makes Biden look like the guy he is. If Trump had said 120 million people dead, if Trump had set up a phony foundation to basically launder money to make his family, what you wouldn't hear the last of it. James Carver was out yesterday. Oh, Biden's going to be Biden. He's gaffe-prone, but he's got a hard to go, heart of gold out there. You can't say nothing bad about old Joe. Joe, one of the greatest guys in the Democrat, bought it. Leader do we need. He's the exact kind of leader we need. He's the kind of leader that the world need. Joe Biden. And guess what? Now there's an official move on to make sure that we don't have any presidential debates. And it comes from Karen Tumulty, the Washington Post headline, Time to Rethink the Presidential Debates. Damn right it is, because there is no way that Joe Biden can do one. The day Biden came out of that hole, 120 million people dead from COVID-19, and the news hit about his phony cancer charity, Karen Tumulty sits down and starts the drive-by media push to cancel presidential debates. Now, her piece, by the way, barely mentions Biden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Barely mentions the fact that he can barely stand up. Barely mentions the fact that he doesn't know where he is after. The- no, it's not about that. It's that they're just boring. The presidential debates have become so boring; they're glorified, dull, and boring press conferences. There's no reason for them. The country has moved way past it. She didn't even put anything about Biden in her piece. So the rest of the drive-by is right on cue. Be picking this stuff up. Yeah, we need to get rid of presidential debates, and this as you well know, is how all of this happens. Now, uh,
5: there's so much substance there, but I'm a little bit distracted by hearing Rush uh, imitate Jimmy Carville. I'm just, I am just have this memory of a conversation he, Rush, himself did, being both Carville uh, and himself and Bill Clinton. Does anyone else remember that? Now, Rush spoke about these fake... Foundations. I once met a dude, and we'll talk about this in some detail when we talk about the white farmers not getting money, but black farmers getting money. Part of Biden's backdoor reparations. Well, not Biden because he doesn't know. I I, I contend he doesn't know. I met a guy in um, the D.C. area who was a former college professor. He got really good at applying for government grants, and then when all these grants uh, and and requests for proposal or business proposals, started to go to, quote, minority firms. He got really good at going and saying, oh, Department of Homeland Security needs some uh, dry cleaners. Let me go find the minority-owned dry cleaning store. Oh, they need maids? Let me go find the minority-owned maid business. And he'd go to them and say, hey, I got an idea. I'll be 5% owner of your store, and you'll be 5% owner of my company that consults on how to fill out forms to get government monies and lo and behold it worked he filled out the forms never worked in those businesses but man did he rake in a whole bunch of money He had a beautiful house in the hills of virginia i think it was seven or eight bedrooms there's much more to unfold including what does biden not want to talk about the crisis at the southern border He can't answer these questions, which is why he's not going to answer these questions. We'll continue on to unfold that and to bring in Rush Limbaugh's permanent wisdom. It's Todd Herman, your guide host on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman, your guide host today on the EIB Network. I've really... This has been a struggle for me in a way because I wanted to say that I'm having more fun than a guide host should be allowed to have. And when I say that, it's celebrating... The Maha, and it also sometimes just makes me feel like, man, should I do that? But Rush wanted this radio show to be fun, and so he made it fun. Even in the most serious topics, he was just genuinely the best of that. We'll get some more of his wisdom. This immigration bill, we need to talk about this. Or not the immigration bill, the the incredible crisis building up on our border. We'll talk about that first. I want to chat with Peter in Unionville, Connecticut. Peter, hi. You're on the Russian Limbaugh program. I'm Todd Herman, your guide host today. Hi, Peter.
10: Hi, Todd. First, I want to thank you for your great work and being part of the committee. You do a phenomenal job.
5: That's really an honor to hear, and all the work really goes on in the back end with Team EIB. I appreciate that. Thank you.
10: Okay, you're part of the process. But listen, I wanted to tell you a funny story how I started listening to Rush wasn't into politics and it was during the clinton regime so (laughs) i knew and i'm surfing on the radio and i hear this guy say uh, 263 days america held hostage and that little thing he said uh resonated and i would look forward and i eventually understood conservatism and uh it's something like that. And I got a recommendation. It's uh, one thing I would love to bring that back. Like today, you could say, "America held hostage, day number fifty of punity, not unity." Punity. Punity, yeah, not pu- unity.
5: Yeah, a punitive uh, process to punish. Wow.
10: Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you guys would consider it, but. I used to love when he started. I would look forward to just hearing his intro every day of America held hostage.
5: I remember that. And I remember that the the liberals were utterly uh, outraged and, and, and beh- b- beside themselves. They mustered as much faux outrage on that as I've ever heard. They really did a good job of pretending to be outraged. Uh, and some well, of them were. <laughs> <it back. laughs> All right. I don't know. See, guide hosts don't have that power, but it's now a noted request it will go into um, the the hopper. The actual professionals at EIB will will uh, consider that. I appreciate the phone call, Peter. It's great, great memory, and thank you for the kind compliment to the team. The um, the the what's going on at the southern border? Let me just go through a couple of headlines here because I think that some of these have not gotten enough news. Um, there is a liberal filmmaker. She decided to go make a film about the border, and what she wanted to do was to talk about the human. You know, human equation of people seeking a better life and and leaving their their countries of origin and, and coming here. Uh, it's a documentary film called America's Forgotten. I learned about it from um, the Epic Times. That should change the name to Epoch when it's on radio because it sounds better. What she found out was that this is a scam, and what she found out was that human traffickers are feeding off of that situation down there. What have we seen? 100,000-some arrests and detainments. We're, we're, we're on a pace to go 12 times more than happened all of last year. And she said, this director in this, this film said that she encountered traffickers who were showing People who wanted to sneak into this country, some of them human traffickers. Well, no, the human traffickers were using Biden's words to show to people, here's what you'll get. They're using it as ads. And yesterday we played the audio of of Rush talking about his heartbreak at what children are put through to get here. And many of them are, are trafficked to arrive here and to to continue, now to blow this up and to say more is available it is creating a market for this inhumane treatment of these people and what this filmmaker found that is it really doesn't better their lives they they promised something that that doesn't come through it's it's utterly heartbreaking the the <laughs> Mexico is saying that Biden's asylum policies is boosting illegals and the cartels. And he's the humane one? Biden's the humane one. I one day set about to research human trafficking and sex trafficking from a perspective of revenue generation. I was stunned. It is less risky and more profitable than drug dealing. This is a modern form of slavery, and it's in fact more profitable than, than, than the earlier forms of slavery. And there's just people waiting to be exploited on the southern border. And held in the same facilities for which Donald Trump was called a child torturer. There's also a fascinating side-by-side. This is the American divorce. You have secessionist states like New York and California. Secessionist states. They refuse to enforce federal immigration laws. In fact, they flout the fact that they refuse to support them. They hide people from ICE. Even violent people. Even people who have gotten Americans killed. That's their stance. Texas is going after, they're forming their own sort of police force to counter the southern border invasion. They're going to enforce immigration laws, but we're, we're to believe that Texas is potentially secessionist. Well, I know there's the Texas and the Republic of Texas. I am aware of that. But these other states are already seceding, and it's having these effects. Elon Musk moved his company. I'd still like my taxpayer money back, Elon, when you could get to that. Moved his company to Texas and from California. There were 687,000 other Californians who moved to Texas. And so much so that Texas is wanting to remind them, do not bring your emotional-based policies to our state. Don't do that. Man, if if I was in Texas, <laughs> I'd look at, i would be unconstitutional, but some form of test before you could vote, like, How do you spell American exceptionalism? We'll get much more of Rush involved in this as we continue on the EIB Network. Uh, Truly, I don't think that there'll ever be another... I I still have trouble thinking about Rush as a celebrity, but another celebrity having passed on who will continue to have an enduring place in public discourse as much as the Maha. And and the team at EIB is... Just made my job so easy to present Russia's great wisdom with today's news. It's it's just an incredible amount of fun and, and learning again. Let me just remind you of some things about uh, what the left is doing to science. Uh, they're softening it. Bill Gates is giving money to an organization that says math is racist. Why? Because objective fact is racism. Truly. That truly that's a real thing. The softening of science on um the front of gender that, that there's a real thing that people go through a surgical process and a hormonal process there's listeners of my show who've done this and they' become friends over the years. I disagree with I wish people wouldn't and they' become friends over the years that that was called transsexualism now they've changed it to a soft science transgenderism and it just means I feel this way it it it's, it, it is not it is not scientifically sound. Cases, I I interviewed a doctor, uh, no, an uh, epidemiologist from Harvard. He was part of the um, Great Barrington Declaration, wanted the lockdowns to end because they were getting people killed. And I said, doctor, didn't cases used to mean people were sick and now it doesn't? He was so sad. He said, yes, 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 I'm surprised a layman knows this. And yes, we used to, a case meant there was a confirmed illness, and it doesn't mean that with COVID, and it's making it seem much worse, softening of the science. You may have never heard, although there's been some um, Fox News specials on Evergreen State's quote, college in Washington State. One of the things the social justice warriors wanted there was to invade the hard sciences. They want to control truth, folks, is what they want. They want to be able to make science malleable so it's outcome-based, so it can do whatever they want it to do, right? Justify lockdowns every two years for the weather. Wouldn't you know it? Almost, I think it's 16 years ago, Rush was on to this, so... He was always a voracious reader. Catherine Limbaugh told Mark Stein when they chatted on this program that Rush's brain just craved information. So it's not a surprise, 16 years ago, Rush rediscovered something called Lysenkoism. Which Democrats loved because it allowed them to pretend, in that case, poverty gets in people's DNA. And abracadabra, instant lifelong victims. Listen to Rush Limbaugh explain this. There
0: actually is a scientific and historical term for the claim that environment can cause inheritable changes in DNA in a single generation. The name for this, the historical term, is Lysenkoism. Capital L, Lysenkoism. Lysenko was a guy. He was Joseph Stalin's house biologist and geneticist. I kid you not. He was a freaking communist. And he's the guy that came up with the idea that environment can cause inheritable changes in DNA in a single generation. Lysenko. And it has a term, Lysenkoism. Now, the obvious appeal (laughs) to progressives is thus understandable. A former communist biologist comes up with this. This makes it all perfectly clear. Lysenkoism, by the way, if you look it up, let me spell it for you, because I know a number of you want to research these things on your own. L-Y-S-E-N-K-O. Lysenko. Lysenkoism is also synonymous with scientific fraud. Well, how could it not be? It traces back to communism. It traces back to a mass murderer, Joseph Stalin. So if you want to look it up on your own, you will see that. It turns out that Lysenkoism is also defined as the manipulation or distortion of the scientific process as a way to reach a predetermined conclusion as dictated by an ideological bias, uh, often related to social or political objectives, like global warming. Lysenkoism is the manipulation or distortion of the scientific process, which is exactly what the libs are doing, claiming that poverty is converted to your DNA and it becomes part of your genome. It's absurd. It's 16 years ago.
5: And now they're softening the sciences across the board. I'll repeat my prediction. No one, having passed on to heaven, Will have a greater impact on ongoing political discourse than Rush Rush H Limbaugh III. Let's welcome someone to the show, Kelly in Ogden, Utah. Kelly, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman, your guide host this week. Welcome, Kelly.
11: Thank you very much for the welcome and uh, good morning to you and everyone who's listening. Good morning. Just, uh, of course, not just, but one of the things I want to bring up is the what you're doing there at the This is like a week long eulogy. I don't really think of it as a funeral service, but we had decades of conservative thought taught to us by the professor. So for the work you guys are doing at the EIB network, it's just brilliant and rich for this presidential medal freedom winner to honor our Rush, as Miss Catherine put it, our Rush. So he was a, a national treasure. The first Indeed. time I heard Rush... Of course, I was getting spoon-fed all kinds of liberalism on local radio here, but it was in 1989, and instead of the program, I usually would hear when Rush came on, I'll bet you it wasn't a half an hour before I was thinking, somebody's going to take this guy out, because he is, he is preaching against the liberal dogma. But he had so much about truth and reality and making the complex understandable, that he survived, and he, he lasted until God said, it's time to come home, son. And it's, it, I'm just so happy y'all are doing this. So I'm That's a, a junior year plus student of the Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Conservative Thinking. One of the things he did was taught me how to think about things that may otherwise have seemed unthinkable. For example, Joe Biden turning his back on the union's and closing down the Keystone Pipeline. What, 8, 10, 11, 12,000 jobs? But why would he do that? Because Joe Biden worships Gaia, and most of the left, thats their that's their main religion, is Earth worship. So shutting down the pipeline and causing all those jobs to be lost would just be a reasonable sacrifice to Mother Earth.
5: So if they're a worshipping guy, and I'm not saying they're not, but if if they are, then what is the role of, say, a a Tom Steyer, who, in my judgment, got out of fossil fuels and then started to invest in so-called green energy and is getting rich at that? Or Al Gore, who went from having very little money to, you know, being nearly a billionaire based upon his scam movie. Uh, How would you characterize their role in all this? Are they the... um, uh, uh, I'm trying to forget, or trying to remember the people who, who sold indulgences. Are, are they just selling indulgences?
12: You know, it
11: could be it could be that that the uh, powers that be are so uh, protective of green energy and, and things like that that are are demonstrably untenable. Um, ask the people in Texas how well windmills work, and they use petroleum powered helicopters to spray pol- petroleum de-icer on those windmills, and the windmills kill kill birds. Uh, but they're allowed because they're, they're anti-so-called fossil fuel. I don't use the term because I've never seen anybody burn a fossil.
5: <laughs> well, you would know in Ogden because you have fossils and you have oil processors there. We do. Yeah. yeah. You're well yeah.
11: aware. You lived in this area. Yeah. Um, right just north of Salt Lake City, there's, a, there's oil refineries. Yeah. And All right, they're so, hauling in tanker trucks and they got pipelines going in there, and I don't think you got a lot of rocks.
5: <laughs> no, I don't think you do. And I look I appreciate what you're saying about the work the team has done here. And also, you know, um, it is interesting that you rephrase it the way you did that, that God called Rush home and that has implications for us. Uh, the people who are left behind without the Maha. That's why I want to continue the conversation as we roll through today about what our responsibilities are and how we can carry on this great legacy of a deserving Medal of Freedom win. Appreciate the call, Kelly. We'll continue with more of Rush's wisdom as Todd Herman, your guide host today on the EIB network. Wow, it's just rolling by today. It's Todd Herman, your guide host on the EIB network. Um, Rush. Next hour, you're going to hear Rush's really emotional response to how the Democrat Party continually whispering in the ear of people they choose to call minorities. I just I dislike that phrase because I believe it undervalues their humanity. Um, imagine just someone following you around in your life saying, you can't do it. I, in fact, I'll tell you, I had a wrestling coach who used to, from time to time, lock the doors in the wrestling room and, and take you man on boy, nothing weird, just wrestling, but turn off the lights and then get on top of you and grind your face into the mat and say in the back of your head, it's really hot in here. I can't breathe. Can you breathe? And it kind of got in your head after a bit because you couldn't breathe. Imagine someone following you around saying you can't do it. It doesn't matter. All your effort. It's just been taken from you. You, you, you got to understand, you cannot have anything unless I get it for you. Can't be done. Just imagine that. Just the effect that would have on someone. You'll hear Rush address this in regards to the Democrat Party doing that uh, to young people in our country and how it just hurt him. He so believed in this country. We'll talk more about Biden and immigration. And, And something just occurred to me. And that is that this... This one style or this this universal image that the Mockingbird Media creates of immigrants is just such a lie. They, they all are liberal. They all want social programs. They all I'll give you something that, that, that happened to me. I was at um, JFK Airport in New York City, and this was, I believe, a year after 9-11. And I used to get pulled out for extra security screening all the time. I don't know why. It was something probably algorithmic. It was bothersome. That day, a couple of um, Muslim-looking men, or I shouldn't say that, Middle Eastern-looking men, got pulled out of the line and got checked, and, and they were really upset. And another man stepped up and said, uh, I am from uh, Jordan, and I will be screened. And he said, to his, he said to the other gentleman, he said, brothers, they don't care that we're on the plane. They'll kill us, too. It's people who look like us who are trying to kill us. Screen me. And the eyes of all the people turned to this man with this, it's, look, it's sad. And it's realism. It's reality. That man had a different view. And it's never reflected in the media. And this is why we have to maintain our skepticism, our just skeptical look at things. Not cynical, skeptical. We need to be the truth tellers, you know. I mean, it's the same way with, with Rush in, in the products he selected. He was super careful when he selected the products or services he'd want to tell us about. And sometimes they weren't even like advertisers to the program. When he discovered something good, he just loved to tell us about it. The cell phone company called Pure Talk, that was one of them. Pure Talk provides the great cellular services, the like big three, all we share about. When you switch to Pure Talk, as so many in this audience have already done, You keep your same phone number that you have now. The only thing that changes is the size of your monthly bill.
0: Hey, folks, you know, you can spend all kinds of time deliberating what kind of cell phone you want to own, what kind of cell phone you want to use, but you might spend 10% of that time deciding on your cell phone carrier, if that much. Now, maybe you spend more than 10%, but uh, really, there are options out there you may not know about. Cell phone service has become expensive. You know, I remember back in the days of flip phones... This is before 2007, before the iPhone was invented. The theory was that your service was going to be given to you as long as you paid for the phone. That, that's the way the experts thought the trend line was, that eh, service is going to be pretty much free, but you got to pay for the phone. Now that's turned upside down. Now the phone costs a pretty penny, as does service. Cell phone service has become expensive. The big brand name carriers charge a lot because, well, they can. So there's another company out there that we want to suggest you look into called Pure Talk because their focus is on providing you the best cell phone coverage and service for about half the price of the big brand names in cellular service. Pure Talk gives you excellent coverage. It uses the same cell towers as one of the biggest brands. You get unlimited talk, unlimited text, 6 gigs of data for about $30 a month. It's on the same tower that you're probably using now, same towers. And if you go over on your data usage, Pure Talk is not going to charge you for it. Switch to Pure Talk. Keep your phone number just as it is. Pure Talk will help you make that an easy switch. From your cell phone, just dial pound 250 and then say Pure Talk. Pound 250 and say Pure Talk, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That is pound 250 and say Pure Talk. You'll have the option to receive a one-time auto-dialed text message from Pure Talk. Something to look into.
5: Rush is exactly right, was exactly right about this. Great customer service. They'll talk with you today about making the switch. Simple. Dial pound 250 from your cell phone and say Pure Talk to find out, I'm going to do this during the break. Dial pound 250 and and say pure talk. And I'll get back to you. And this is so much more of Russia's wisdom as we roll through the show. It's Todd Herman, your guide today on the EIB Network. I stopped watching uh, football. And so this is kind of news to me. A certain quarterback may be headed to a certain city from hence my morning show hails at KTTH in Seattle. I'm not surprised to hear this. Uh, However, there is if I could have, look, here's the thing about, I don't want to say his name, um, Colin Kaepernick. He didn't say anything. His socks said more than he did. I want to talk about that a little bit. Of course, Rush talked about love football so much. When we come back, it's an eight minute conversation about race. And I listened to it this morning. And you will hear Rush in almost a deep sense of he's not depressed. Rush never got depressed, but he said he felt depressed at how the Democrats just distort what America is, and and how how negative this is, how detrimental it is to young people of color, and I, the words. Clearly, they're the maha, the professor. so the words are important. And I also hope that you will hear the tone of our friend uh, as he describes his desire for everybody, all people, to be able to succeed. It's Todd Herman, your guide host on the EIB Network this week.
8: Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast,
4: every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors directors writers and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of latinos in film listen to more than a movie as part of the my cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
5: what an incredible honor to be with you my fellow listeners to the rush limbaugh program as your guide host this week so much work that the team EIB has done in the background to make this possible, to take Russia's enduring wisdom and apply it to today's news cycle. And it is just, it's amazing to sit and listen to, in addition to getting to talk about it. And look, today, this is my view of the world, today is, and every day is, the day the Lord has made. It's a gift for us. These are the times that we are to live in, times such as these. Uh, there was a reason that we exist at this time. And Rush was part of our life for three decades. I want you to hear what I think puts the biggest lie in the world to what the media tries to do to Rush, trying to call Rush a racist. I, I think Rush was the opposite of that. Rush was a man who wanted everybody to succeed and have a chance to succeed. And So I want you to just, this is, this is a blissfully long, Bit of the maha. And I want you to listen here, okay? To Rush speak of his pain he felt that seeing the Democrat Party damage the prospects of black people and, and immigrants with the Democrats' constant insistence that these
0: people couldn't thrive in America without big government. You people know the truth, and you are whom I care about. You in this audience know exactly what happens on this program and what doesn't. And you know what I am and what I'm not, despite what the drive by say. Where to start with this? Shortly after becoming Attorney General, maybe during his confirmation hearings, Eric Holder said the United States is a nation of cowards, subject of race, that we desperately need to have a huge national conversation about it, but that people are afraid to. People will not engage in it. And that's not true. We never stop talking about race. When you get down, the left does not want to have a conversation on race. That's code language. For saying that we need a national conversation on race, it means we need to stop opposing the objectives of the civil rights coalitions in this country. And what is meant by we need to have a conversation about it, what that really means is that the people who disagree with us on this need to be silenced. That's how you finish the conversation, is just by eliminating opposition to the agenda of the Civil Rights Coalition, which you might think civil rights, what could be wrong with that? Nothing is wrong with it, but that's not what Civil Rights coalitions are about. Well, anyway, I've never shied away from it, because I frankly think it's something we do need to overcome. I think we do need to get past it. I think it is weighing our culture down. It's weighing our society down unnecessarily. And the biggest damage that's being done is to African Americans themselves in this whole thing. And this is where I've got to start being very careful because it's undeniably true. And I could give you illustrations of what I mean, which easily taken out of context could be plastered all over the nation's newspapers and cable news networks in an effort once again to portray me as something that I'm not. In fact, quite the opposite. Bottom line for me is that it depresses me. You know, I'm, I'm an American. I love this country. I know what is possible in this country for everybody. And I see immigrants, various parts of the world coming into this country and just doing gangbusters. I see people natively born in this country doing gangbusters. I know it's still possible. I know that it's likely if certain steps are taken. I know that the American dream is alive and well. It's sad that so many people have given up on it, but it's because of the way they've been conditioned. It's the way they're influenced. It's the way they're taught. The sad thing about all this is that there's a beneficiary to this, there's a beneficiary to economic stagnation among our minority communities, and that beneficiary is the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party benefits from people being unable to provide for themselves. The Democrat Party benefits from people believing that the rest of the country is out to get them. The Democrat Party benefits from all of this strife. The Democrat Party benefits from economic stagnation. Democrat Party benefits from the fear and the bullying. And it breaks my heart, folks, because it's so unnecessary. It's not cliched to refer to the U.S. as a land of opportunity. It always has been, still is. There are steps one needs to take in order to access it, It just doesn't come knocking. Well, maybe once in your life it will. You have to know to open the door when that happens. But for the most part, the recipe is pretty much the same. Hard work, dedication, desire, preparation, study, passion. Those things are still required. And if they're present, you can write your ticket. Not say it's easy. Not say there won't be setbacks. We all suffer them. We all suffer some form of discrimination. We all have obstacles out there in our way. Many of them we put in our way ourselves. Many of the obstacles that we face are self-imposed, but others aren't. You go back to uh, the campaign of 2007 and 2008. I'm convinced that a huge number of Americans voted for Barack Obama, hoping that in so doing, his victory would be a giant step in progress, giant forward step in demonstrating the folly that this is still a racist, slave-based nation, which, sadly, young people are still taught in some of our worst public schools. And people had a lot of hope. The hope in change, the hope in hope and change was that. There was no other reason to vote for Obama. I mean, nobody knew who he was. The press hadn't really vetted him. He was young. He was articulate. He was an open canvas. People hated the current regime, Bush, Iraq. Anybody saying they're going to do things different would have benefited from it. You had the added benefit of obama being african-american man what would that say about america If the american people elect a black president well, that has to say that has to mean we're not a racist country not like they tell us we are There's so many people desperately hoping that that would have been the outcome and it would have been had it not been for the people that do not benefit from that there are people that do not benefit from the country moving forward on race there are people who profit on the basis of the country never improving, or never changing. And those are the people that largely hold us back. So to step forward a couple of years, Michelle Obama and Barack Obama are now into their sixth year as president and first lady. Being elected president of this country is not an accident. It requires certain steps. It means a lot of specific good things. It's not something you happen stance into. It's not something that happens to you when you look the other. You have to go out and ask people to vote for you, and they have to do it. And that's what Obama did, and he won. And how you cannot look at that as a positive if you're the Obamas is beyond me. That's the first thing I don't understand. I understand roots, history, and all that. What I don't understand is apparent desire not to escape it. We all have a past. I mean, that would be like saying that nobody in Germany who has genealogical traces to members of the Nazi party back in the 1940s can ever be thought of as anything but that. Why would you forever want those people to be attached to that past instead of escaping it? When they weren't alive, they had nothing to do with it, whatever was going on in the 1940s. They're just descendants of people who were. The problem here is that race is being, I think it's a cover. I think it's being used as a cover, as an excuse, when it has so much more potential than that. Is my only complaint. Why would they not seek to be inspiring? And I don't mean by promising more government money and more government programs. I'm talking about personally inspiring. The simple act of telling people they can be better than they think they can. The simple act of telling people, yeah, it's hard, but you can become what you want to become. Problem is, a political party benefits if more and more people do not look at their lives that way. If more and more people think they don't have a chance, that the deck is stacked against them for whatever reason, that political party thinks it's going to score big by creating dependency in those people. And they're successful, and they're right. That's what's so dehumanizing and dignity-destroying about it. Mahan. I
5: went to work in D.C. Uh, just after Obama was elected, and I went jogging one night, early in the evening, so it's still kind of afternoon, and in Lafayette Square, across from the White House, facing the White House, there was a black family, uh, father, mother, three kids, and Lafayette Square has has, has a long history related to race, and this father said to his kids, a black man is president, and you can be too. And I just stopped. Just took off my headphones. I just wanted to absorb this, these, these children. Barack Obama stole that joy. He went into the White House. And instead of saying, see, or raising the voices like we did yesterday, the, the uh, African-American CEO, and we'll hear from another great African-American female caller who called Rush. Instead of instead of raising that and saying, "Look what we can do," yeah, there's racists and it's a minority of people. Barack Obama just went back to his Zelensky training: pick a target, isolate it, cut it off from its support base, go after people, not institutions, because people hurt sooner than institutions. And so they went at Rush. <laughs> Who beat him? And won Medal of Freedom, or not? Won it? Was uh, received it from President Trump. So much more will continue. Colin Kaepernick may be headed to the Seattle Seahawks. And I have a little inside story about that as we continue. It's Todd Herman, your guide this week on the EIB Network. It's Todd Herman, your guide host uh, this week on the EIB Network. It is next segment. Next segment. We're going to talk about what the so-called alleged not really COVID relief bill that Biden was uh, whisked into an office, signed, and then whisked out. Just happened, just in case, you know, someone tried to ask Joe Biden the question like, where are you? Uh, Next segment, we will talk through how your friends or maybe you, if you are a white farmer, you are out of luck. If you are a black farmer, you are in luck. But that's not racism because it's the new kind of racism. And speaking of that, so it is rumored now that Colin Kaepernick may... A replacement for Russell Wilson should Russ leave the Seattle Seahawks. I will say only this: I I I'd heard uh, the coach, the Seahawks uh, Pete, say that that he thinks Ka- Kaepernick could be uh, uh could contribute there. I'll say this about his political activities, and then I want you to hear what Rush has to say about it or had to say about it. Is that hard? I just said what Rush has to say. I'm still not still hasn't landed with me what Rush has said about it. I had Michael Bennett on my radio program, uh, KTTH in Seattle. And I said to him, and Michael Bennett was a Seahawk and, and, and played with Russell and, and New Kaepernick. And, uh, and, and Bennett has proven himself to be sort of a guy who wants to uh, kind of merchandise racial grievance. Uh, I said to, to him, here's my problem with Colin Kaepernick, because he didn't say anything. He took a knee. And people can paint on that whatever they want. I know what I painted. I think it turned out to be pretty accurate. So taking a knee is just provocative. It's just provocative. That's all. It's people can paint what they wanted, and I think we were right. What we painted. On the other hand, Colin Kaepernick wore pigs or cops or pigs socks, and the faces of South American dictators on T-shirts. That speech. Rush wouldn't have gotten very far if his program involved taking a knee with silence. That's not bravery. Speaking ideas is bravery. And that's one of the things we can do to carry on the great tradition of Rush Limbaugh is to be the truth tellers. I've stopped watching football because the NFL basically showed me we don't want you to watch football. Rush loved the game of football. And that makes, it makes tremendous sense. It's a game of skill and power. It's kind of the ultimate meritocracy, excessive focus on hard work. It overcomes raw talent, even the most amazing raw talent. And it's, it's a strategic game. And the, the great work, people who do great work in that are also great thinkers. Rush, though, did not appreciate Kaepernick's approach to
0: trying to start people to think it. You see Colin Kaepernick over the weekend trashed the United States on un-Thanksgiving Day. I thought this guy's only complaint was police brutality. I thought it's the only thing bothered us I thought that was why he was taking a knee. This guy doesn't want a job in the NFL. He's making sure he doesn't get hired. He wants to be a martyr. Un-Thanksgiving Day. Wonder why he hasn't been contacted by NFL teams. To take on the most important leadership role on a football team. If anybody thinks he was just protesting police violence when he kneeled, needs to think again. He was protesting the country, and he continues (laughs) to do so. I haven't checked, but I guarantee the
5: Seattle media is all over. If you don't hire Kaepernick, Kaepernick, you're a racist, Pete! But that's going on now. Let's talk now to Steve in Niagara Falls, New York. Steve, you're on the Russia Limba program. Todd Herman, your guide host today. I'm glad to have you here. Steve, welcome to the program.
12: Thank you, Todd. I was mentioning to your screener, I just had a really neat story when we were talking about how we first got into Russia. I was a police officer back in the uh, late 1980s. I since retired, but uh, that's when Rush first came on, and one of our officers kind of, like, turned us on to him, and, uh, of course, uh, everybody started to tune in, and, and somehow a bunch of back then there were a lot of Rush's Right uh, stickers that were available. So several of the police cars, several of the police cars, the city police cars actually had Rush's Right stickers on them, and they were there for quite some time. And, of course, working in a uh, Democrat-run city, Democrat-run over a half a century, once, I guess, the powers that be realized what that meant and who Rush was. Of course, the stickers mysteriously came off of the police. But <laughs> for a while, they were there for quite a bit.
0: <laughs> I got to think that they
5: regret that now, given what, what the left has done. I mean, you retired, and I want to thank you for, for protecting us. I got to think, is there anyone on the NYPD who, who is, is now a leftist, now that they've seen what Billy de Blasio intends for you guys?
12: Well, you know, I worked in a large city in New York, but not necessarily New York okay. City at all. But, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely think uh, think not. I mean, there's always going to be a few. There's always a few in there. But, uh, yeah, definitely it's changed over. And, you know, I just wanted to express so much thanks to Rush because, you know, the military, and rightly so, gets a lot of, you know, promotion and a lot of backing. But Rush was always one to always include law enforcement on there as well. And he was just such a, you know, such a motivator for us. And we really enjoyed how he used to back us up and defend us in and, and a lot of the uh, you know, different times, difficult times.
5: Well, you know, I just uh, heard Rush so often um, with emotional appeal to you guys, not appeal, but, uh, in a, you know, a deeply emotional thanks. I said uh, one day to an officer, I, I just said, you know what, uh, I appreciate everything you do. And he said, well, you do a lot, too. And, and it, I hate that. Um, Because, yeah, I think that talking and freedom of speech and and expressing unpopular opinions and being the skeptics and speaking truth and in times of universal deceit, speaking truth is an act of bravery. But it's nothing like what you guys do. So I'll add my name to the thanks, Steve. Appreciate you very, very much. I just I would say this about these these Russia right uh, bumper sticks that that, uh, Steve just mentioned, by the way, when I say bumper strips, it's because I used to sell what we called pressure sensitive labels. We were we were cautioned. Don't you call them stickers. When I, when I started doing uh, talk radio the first time around, back when I did it for a living uh, in Spokane, a guy made some bumper strips for me. And That was so cool because obviously, you know, I was imitating the Rush bumper strips. Mine didn't imitate it. It was just the name of the show. I had this thing where a guy was an editorial cartoonist, and he created this cartoon of me. And I was shooting, I, he had this stupid machine gun he drew, and, and I was shooting out the phrase well-regulated militia from the Second Amendment. And, and it ran in the, it spoke in the review, and I called the guy and said, hey, can you come on the show? And he said, what? I said, yeah, I, look, you drew a cartoon about me. We are both opinion shares. Like, he was the opposite of Kaepernick. He put his thoughts out there. And the sad thing was, I said, please do a lot of research. When you come on the show, please do a lot of research. Like, I, I research this stuff. So I had him on the program, sitting across from me in this small little radio studio. I said, so why are you so against guns? And he goes, well, because they kill so many people. I said, really, how many? He goes, well, millions every year in America. I said, no. He looked at me just white in the face. He goes, well, it's half a million. I go, nope. Quarter 1000000 The man started to hyperventilate and ran out of the studio with his hands to his mouth. And my sort of producer back in the day, Scotty, came to me and said, the guy ran. He left. He went and vomited around the outside of the studio in the parking lot. Now, see, he was not prepared for the argument. It's like Kaepernick taking a knee, not prepared for the argument. We've had three decades to prepare for the argument. When we come back. If you're a white farmer, you're out of luck. Joe Biden just signed this into law. If you're a black farmer, you just won the lottery. And huge thanks to News Radio 590KQT in Spokane, Washington, for allowing me to come in and use your studios today. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. He just signed it. Uh, Biden was ushered into a room, and they quickly had him sign this uh, this monstrosity, this $1.9 trillion. Spending spree and and handing out of walking around monies to Democrat friends and monies for the uh, big school unions who refuse, m- many of them refuse to open that won't be given to them this year. It will start next year. It has nothing to do uh, with the COVID flu, and yet the Mockingbird media continues to say it's a COVID relief bill. They continue just all all the average American knows who doesn't listen to this program is that it's, oh, it's 1400 bucks. Well, there's something else in this. And in a second, we're going to once again have a demonstration of why Russia's wisdom is enduring. And what did he say he knew, like the back of his formerly nicotine-stained hands? What did he say? The liberals. Okay. Lindsey Graham, who occasionally is very right on things, said that the, the so-called COVID-19 stimulus package is reparations, And what he says is, let me give you an example of something that really bothers me. This is Lindsey Graham, I'm quoting. In this bill, if you're a farmer, your loan can be forgiven up to 120% of your loan. Oh, so the money that you borrowed plus, what, a tip? Back to Lindsey Graham. If you're socially disadvantaged, if you're African American, some other minority. But if you're a white person... If you're a white woman, no forgiveness. That's reparations. What does this have to do with COVID? Lindsey Graham asked. Well, it's also racism. This is a racist bill. Joe Biden is a racist. He doesn't know he's a racist because he's also suffering from cognitive decline. But this is a racist bill. The White House is racist. Joe Biden and everybody who voted for this are racists. I guarantee if Donald Trump, I do need to complete the sentence. I don't. Instead, I want you to listen to this. Rush Limbaugh talked about this, about backdoor reparations. Listen right here as Rush addresses that now.
0: The House of Representatives yesterday passed landmark legislation to pay for some $4.6 billion in settlements with American Indians and black farmers who say they face discrimination and mistreatment from the government. What's new? Lawmakers voted 256 to 152 to send the measure to President Obama, whose regime brokered the settlements over the past year. The package would reward some $3.4 billion to American Indians over claims they were cheated out of royalties overseen by the Interior Department for resources like oil, gas, and timber. Another $1.2 billion, with a B. None of this money we have, by the way, would go to American, African Americans, who claim they were unfairly denied loans and other assistance from the Agriculture Department. These settlements have broad, bipartisan support, but had stolen Capitol Hill over costs until the Senate broke a stalemate earlier this month. You know, speaking of bipartisan, and just to illustrate the phoniness of Obama on this, if Obama really wants to be bipartisan, then why not press for some of the things for which there's actual bipartisan support, like extending the Bush tax cuts for everybody? I'm sorry, tax rates for everybody. I mean, that's got Republican and Democrat support. Why not find a way to fund the extension of unemployment benefits in accordance with PAYGO, which Republicans and even some Democrats want, i.e., pay for it. Cut something else in the budget, or take the money from unspent tarp or porculous funds. I mean, there's plenty of opportunities here for real bipartisanship. That's not what he's interested in at all. And this just makes the point. But now back to this business of the House passing landmark legislation to pay for some $4.6 billion in settlements with American Indians And black farmers who say they face discrimination. Here are some interesting numbers. There are 18,000 black farmers alive in America. Yet 84,000 African Americans applied for money under the Pigford Settlement is what this is called. 18,000 black farmers, but 84,000 African Americans applied for free money. Obama money under this bill. Now, something doesn't add up. All 84,000 got the money. But there are only 18,000 farmers. This was a settlement for discrimination against black farmers. 84,000 African Americans got some money. And the something not right here leads all the way to the Obama Oval Orifice. If this did not involve African Americans, this could become the number one political story of next year. Because this, this is corruption right out in front of everybody's eyes. The left is celebrating today the fact that it found a creative way to pass reparations. I mean, that's what this is. Reparations. You know, I have used the term reparations uh, previously to describe other Democrat legislation, and the left just goes bonkers over it. They can't deal with it. And the reason is, for some reason, it hits too close to home. Well, what else would you call this? 18,000 black farmers alive, 84,000 black people getting free money from the Obama stash under this settlement, under Pigford. It just doesn't add up.
5: Nor does 120% forgiveness of a loan. 120%. Well, if you are what Lindsey Graham said, socially disadvantaged or African American, if you're white, white woman, white man, out of luck. Enduring wisdom that still applies today. Let's talk to George about that wisdom. George is in Dartmouth, Massachusetts. George, you're on the Rush Limbaugh program. It's Todd Herman, your guide host today. Welcome, George.
6: Thank you, Todd, and mega-hanging Chad Ditto. So I'll always use (laughs) mega-ditto because I don't call it office. I call it orifice, and I don't say government. I say government, and I still call those little uh, germ buckets. I call them crumb crunchers, so... (laughs)
5: Um, <laughs> you you are a, a, a longtime student of uh, of of the uh, Professor Limbaugh, aren't you?
6: Absolutely, and remember one important thing: the learning never ends. And, right. Um, having uh, grown up in Sacramento, California, myself, I knew exactly what Rush meant every time about Ria Linda. It well, never okay, wait wait, old... wait, wait,
5: wait, wait. Slow down. This is so important. Everybody needs to know this. Please explain the Rio Linda thing, because I heard Rush, explain it one time, but I'd love to hear it through the ears of a fellow student uh, of the Limbaugh Institute.
6: So Rio Linda is, is just a little, it's just outside of Sacramento, the county, right? And then you probably could put Yuba City in there too, but we'll use Rio Linda. And when you drive through Rio Linda, uh, and this was back, I left in the 80s, and so Rush is there in the 90s, it hadn't changed. It's... Um, I it's just a backward spot. It's sort of like where time left behind. No <laughs> rub on Rio Linda. It's just, just time had left that spot behind. And when you think of sort of a, I don't know, maybe an old Pony Express town, you might that <laughs> might come to, to
5: mind. <laughs> well, I once heard from um, a guy who uh, is a bit of a well, he's a what former wrestler, punk rocker. That uh, his name is Henry Rollins. I went to a live show Henry did. Uh, really. A really phenomenal show, actually. Um, and Henry Rollins had asserted that in the United States of America, every Paul Stanley Kiss van is in in, in Encinito, California. So, is that true? That if you go to Encinito, mm-hmm. the place is just lousy with with vans with beautiful uh, paintings of Kiss, the band, on the side. Uh, yeah, there's so many throwbacks. Again, okay. <laughs> you, go, you,
6: you know, you leave L.A. It's a different it's a different world, and. You know, you you've done such a great job today, and and I just want to make two quick points. One, Bo was on on um, Hannity's show, yeah. you know, shortly after Rush's death, and, and the one thing he said that troubled him more than anything about the perception of Rush Limbaugh was that he was a racist. So thank you for playing all that, and you could tell that Bo was <clears throat> deeply concerned about yep. that. He never liked it; it it just kept him up, and you know. I've been listening since the Hanging Chad days in 99. And, you know, I've been through Rush when he had his heart attack in, in um, Hawaii, couldn't wait for the six weeks to get back. And he was upfront about his addiction. When he was gone for that, I couldn't wait for him to get back as as everybody else. And then the guy couldn't hear. He's in radio, he's in the show, he can't hear. And he came back. And then the cancer, that, either one of those four things would have shut down any other. Host, they were have just packed in the towel. He's gone through so much and kept coming back for us. It's, it's absolutely amazing. And I'll, I'll, I'll never forget the date I heard on Monday, Oh, I got married because Catherine was talking about it on the show not too long ago. I was like, What? Like, what a <laughs> secret! Like, I just, yeah, got come in. Like, how did I know that? I listen yeah. to Rush all the time. How did he keep that away? So.
5: Agreed. Listen, uh, you know what? You're talking about a man and and just only because the clock is our enemy, George. That's it. You you, I don't even really want to add on to what you said because you spoke so well about it. I would just point this out. There are people whose lives have been saved. I mean, this literally because of Rush Limbaugh's optimism and, and and owning his successes meant owning where he fell short on things. Heroic. Appreciate the phone call, George. It was a great call. It's Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB. Note. That's Todd Herman, just such an honor to be with you guys today as we continue to bring Rush Limbaugh's incredible, enduring wisdom to today's news cycle. Speaking of that, you know, the um, the trial of the officers accused of killing George Floyd is about to get underway. They've selected uh, a juror, one of the jury members, one of the jurors uh, was a uh, fan of the Black Lives Matter Incorporated domestic terror group because he says black people are marginalized. So he'll be on the jury. And it's one of the biggest lies told about Rush is that he was a racist. And Bo nerdly took that on Sean Hannity's show and demolished it. I, and, and Rush, you could hear this like when he talked to certain callers. I loved hearing Rush get energy from callers. It happened a lot. And to my ear, though, it was really prevalent, really clear when Rush got to speak with a young person just ready to burst forth with energy. You know, particularly today's counter-revolution. So tell me if you hear the thrill in Rush's voice right here.
0: Destiny in Bethesda, Maryland. It's great to have you with us. Great. Hi.
9: Oh, my goodness, Rush. Thank you so much for taking my call. You bet. You have to bear with me. I'm so nervous and excited. Um, You are amazing, and you are just an invaluable jewel to the country and the world. Also, hi to my dad, Kirk. He's retired. Baltimore City Police, He's my hero. So... I guess I have to preface um, by saying that I am black, I am also a millennial, and I am a female. I wish those things did not matter, but unfortunately, the left is like just so relentless in their game of like divisive politics. It's still relevant to my overall point. I saw you in CPAC in 2009, and your main speech was about um, not taking on a victim mentality. And I was so fired up, and it was amazing, and I was so happy to see you. And I remember realizing that I've never felt that way in my whole life, even though the left would label me and say that I should be feeling that way. And I just really, I am so fired up, especially with this whole Kavanaugh thing. I feel like this whole divisive war on men, I'm so fired up. I want everyone to feel that way. I am so committed to doing everything I can to expose this. I'm inviting all my friends to listen to you throughout the week. And at the weekend, we are going to get together and we're going to talk I feel like you can't rely on the mainstream media to do any of that for you and I feel like that's the only reason why the left still has as much reach and as much power as it do. That is
0: excellent. And- that is I'm very You know your your enthusiasm is great. Uh, you said you're a millennial so you're you're near 30
9: and I'm on the yeah, I'm on the upper edge. I'm thir- I'll be 33 next. Okay, week.
0: fine. So you're right there on the upper edge, but I, I remember that passion. I remember it. I had it. I still do. That's the great thing. A lot of people outgrow it. A lot of people grow out of it when they don't see as much success as they envisioned, when they don't see it happening as quickly. Uh, Some people, it's not that they give up. They just lose some of the passion. Don't lose the passion. Exactly. Do not lose the passion as you continue to do this.
9: I will not. I'm so fired up. And I just, God bless Kanye. We need more people like him to come out. I feel so bad for him. Like I've experienced that sort of like attack, me saying, like, oh, I'm Republican or I'm conservative. I can't imagine what it's like for him. I think he's doing an amazing thing. And I think this is a really pivotal time. And I think I have hope that the left is just losing it and they're unraveling. And I have hope for my generation, I think.
0: I'm so enthused to hear that. You are the second, maybe the third millennial age caller today with the same belief that what you're watching on the left is an an unravel. You're watching them come unglued. And I hope you're right. It would make perfect sense to me. Look, look. Thanks so much for the call. I appreciate it. Keep the passion.
5: Did you hear Rush just draw energy from that phone call? And when we get down to these times, just remember that there's a lot of people like Destiny just waiting to be led. Um, We're going to go out early because you need to hear the news out of New York about Andrew Cuomo, state police, and lifting some travel restrictions. Gee, I wonder why Andy might want to travel. That's next on the... Rush Limbaugh program. Todd Herman, your guide host. Just thanks to the uh, great, incredible work of Team EIB putting together this program, making it so easy for me to bring Rush's enduring words of wisdom and compare them to today's news. Tomorrow, we will have uh, the speech that Joe Biden has doubtlessly rehearsed countless times. And for you to hear <laughs> how much Rush is able to predict, is able to predict what Biden would do um, when he gives this rehearsed speech, this is just breaking news out of um, New York on the New York Post. The latest groping allegations against uh, the Emperor of New York, Andy Cuomo, whose brother's an actor on CNN, has been. Uh, it, it, they haven't launched an official probe, but it's been referred to the Albany Police Department. Uh, they've contacted the victim's attorney, and in a completely unrelated. Uh, Happening. Andrew Cuomo has announced he's going to lift domestic travel um, restrictions that he's had that were to believe because of the COVID flu. Now, certainly, I mean, this wouldn't be Andy Cuomo thinking that he could go uh, to a state that doesn't have uh, the ability to scoop him up and take him to the police for questioning. He wouldn't want to be able to hide away in like (laughs) an even friendlier blue state. This is going to get really interesting really quick. Of course, Biden's not going to be asked about this tonight because he's just going to be reading into a camera. So tomorrow, Rush Limbaugh, having passed on to heaven, will, in fact, describe and predict what Biden says tonight. It's been a great honor to be with you. Todd Herman, your guide host this week on the EIB Network.